That's where the comments headed. Never been known to not settle it in stone. The pot calling the kettle black to pedal back home. Put it in proper pretenses. The poet, the prophet, the preacher with street references. The beast, the pestilence, the plague. Pushing disease to each residence. The renegades. Never been afraid of action. Release the kraken. Over dope beats with rapping. The madman. Murderous midnight assassins. Right. What's up, motherfuckers? Welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Tyler. And I have another special guest with me this time. I'm very excited. Uh, very quickly, I guess I'll get the, the quick disclaimers out of the way, like the social media pleasantries and whatnot. Uh, Discord chat, we got that going on now. That is active. Uh, it's pretty fresh still. So you can check all this out in the, in the show description. Uh, got a Patreon action going on now, and, uh, you know, check out the link tree to get the books, dive manual, hunt manual, y'all know the drill. Um, I have, this special guest I have in with me today is, uh, Miss Ashley Ryan, uh, host of the Occult Unveiled podcast, um, occultist, hermeticist, she's very proficient with, uh, with tarot, I've heard her do some readings on her show, um, and just hearing how she goes about it clearly yeah uh, knows what she's doing um and um she is a a, a self-described uh tiktok occultist which some people <laughs> would immediately roll their eyes at but i am uh excited to have you on because you know um there's plenty of genuine uh interesting content on tiktok tiktok is just a wild place where you can find anything and uh and i think that um you are an exemplary um i don't know you're you're a great example in general of someone that's really trying to um you know sh uh, shed light on interesting ideas uh, very esoteric ideas and um you know tiktok isn't just a bunch of fluff um, and, uh, you, so before I toss it over to you a little bit, um, I did want to give a tip of the hat to you. Uh, the most recent episodes I checked out were, um, your conversation with Manly P Hall's, uh, oh, protege yeah, of Ronnie. sorts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ronnie Pontiac. Um, you are the first person, uh, like you are how I was introduced to Ronnie Pontiac in general. I'm still pretty new to the guy, but, uh, yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah, very cool guy and um someone that I think I will try and reach out to at some point. I would very much like to pick his brain and I really enjoyed the chat you had with him. Um also uh Sabri, the uh the Haitian voodoo priestess. I I really enjoy your conversations with her and uh and her mindset on things. Um that's also someone that I'll be trying to contact here in the future. But um yeah, thank you so much. Um how have you been lately? Hey, thanks so much, you know. Anthony, I've been pretty good. You know, the 2024 kickoff has been uh, pretty pretty okay for me. Um, I I launched an app. So I have my Pythian Mystery School app that I have been working on and like teaching. So that's been that's been my big project. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, congrats. That sounds like a lot of hard work coming to fruition. Thank you. Yes, it, it certainly is. And, you know, <sighs> I love Manly P. Hall and all of the pamphlets that he wrote makes it so easily accessible. Like the this very difficult information is now not bite-sized necessarily, but definitely more easily read 
and understood. And so I'm trying to take all of that information and put it in a digital form, not his words per se, my own and my own uh, research, but trying to do what he did for this generation. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, there's a lot of Manly P. Hall to sift through. <laughs> it's yeah. a, he's a really rare individual. Um, we'll talk about other things, but I think Manly Hall is a great start because um, I have been deeply inspired by him. The three names that I bring up probably the most often on the show is Carl Jung, Manly P. Hall, and then for the uh, for the 4T inside, John Keel. Um, okay. So, yeah, uh, Manly P. Hall. Uh, and just his whole story is very inspiring. He's uh, He came from the ground up and pretty much went the distance, um, did like what any of us would really strive to do in terms of like having a legacy, but also for the right reasons. And the the things you hear about Manly Hall are always really great. Um, He seems like he seemed, you know, sometimes you, you hear stories of people and like, uh, man, they, you know, like Crowley's a great example where I don't knock Crowley. He's great for what he is, but he also he kind of had the world handed to him and then just kind of did a lot of exploring and had a lot of interesting ideas but there's a lot of like moments of like eye rolling when you read Crowley's story and and Manly mm-hmm. Hall it just seems like like a really it's very genuine yeah yeah um and you are in Los Angeles and have uh you've gone to the the Philosophical Research Society quite a bit which is the society that he founded and uh and like in like the thirties or something. It was, uh, yep. it was early mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And, uh, what's that like? Uh, I've always wanted to go. I think it's the most amazing place on earth. It is, um, the way that it was built, there's like a whole tour you can take on its architecture, but it's a reminiscent of the Mayan and the Egyptian architecture. And so the flow of energy is really nice. There's a legend that it was built on a ley line. I don't know if it's true or not, but Manley's <laughs> office is still there, which is really special. And wow. um, getting to volunteer there uh, is amazing because there there's been a huge resurgence. You know, in 2019, it wasn't doing too well, and then there's been this mass revival since the pandemic that has allowed. Um, it's to be literally revitalized. People are interested in esotericism. There's more cultural diversity there um, among their events. And I think that it's really opening up a whole new, like, it's like a revival, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Um, I spent a little bit of time going through LA um, some years ago now. I was driving an RV with my cat in it, and we were just... Uh, we're going to different places on the West Coast, and uh, um, I really wanted to check out the Philosophical Research Society, but I was not able to make it there. Um, so, but in terms of uh, influence and inspiration of yours, I I've heard you talk about your backstory a little bit, and mm. um, this show I'm very fascinated with, you know, in however much detail people care to get into the the kind of proverbial turning points or like one might say, you know, tower moments in life and uh, um, how people, you know, sort of dug deep and figured their shit out and used esoterica Mm -hmm. and all these seemingly abstract concepts to, to really find like practical change in, 
in the world around them and in their minds. And you've clearly, you know, you have quite a story. I know you, <laughs> you talked about, um, you, uh, you ended a relationship that was, that was very toxic. And you also, um, I don't think you're able to give the name, but you have, um, you've been initiated and studied yep. with, uh, like a hermetic order, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I'd love to hear, um, any <laughs> bit of that that you'd like to get into. Yeah. So that's like the accumulation of my entire life. Those like two or three years. <laughs> um, so that was 2019 when all that went down, but way before then, uh, as a child, I always wanted to understand what truth was like. Truth was something that's really elusive to me because everyone has a story of what their truth is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, what's like truth with a capital T. And so, um, in high school, I had a girlfriend who gave me Plato, the Republic. And she's like, I think you should read this. And I gave it back to her after reading. I'm like, girl, I don't understand any of this. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this? I know it's important, but I don't get it. Um, and actually, I think that was probably one of the inspirations that led me to receive my undergraduate degree in philosophy and theology. Uh, Plato was one of my major inspirations. It was because of Plato that I understood the cave and understood like like truth like what is truth the truth is very elusive <laughs> yeah um so that was that was a big part of my journey it was philosophy and that's where my background is a lot of it so i'll talk about kant descartes like you know and they all of them all of those writers like descartes whole meditation thing is that he was talking to a demon Right. <laughs> like oh you're having this conversation trying to figure out whether or not you exist with a demon my dude how is that not esoteric <laughs> uh yeah i always loved that that's a great thing to bring up a uh, great example um and i uh have a deep affinity for philosophy as well um um i think a lot of times um in esoterica in general a lot of like that more traditional like some of the names like kant and descartes and these people um that would come up in like like a philosophy college class like mm -hmm. it's uh you know they're they're classics they're staples for a reason it's great stuff yeah if you're into it it's dying though that's the the big problem is that most people never get introduced to that in their life they may have like this vague idea of plato being this like really important guy but i, I don't know why yeah yeah well um, what do you think uh what do you, is it the fact that these things are not bite-sized enough if you will and it just requires a lot mm. like do you think people would be if people were introduced to it more it would there would be more of a natural interest because i guess that's the it's really the question of um how much are these things how much will these things always remain esoteric like by their nature mm -hmm. well i think there are people who are naturally have like an affinity towards it as you said and i think that everyone should have at least i believe in high schools philosophy 101 should be taught just yes. the basics of critical thinking and learning how to discern how to use judgment understand some a little basic logic um i don't think that's within uh, a lot of scope for america because we don't even really have arts anymore but yeah. um philosophy doesn't teach you what to think it teaches you how to think 
And so for that reason, I think it should be a little bit available to everybody. Why it's not popular is because it hurts, dude. It hurts <laughs> to have your beliefs challenged. I remember my one-on-one philosophy class. I remember girls leaving crying because their Christian beliefs got like a little bit shook. And so when you're, when you're, that's like, I love that. I love like going in, like challenge my beliefs, challenge me, like purify my ideas. So I have like the best understanding, the clearest understanding. Not Amen. everyone likes that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but I can very much relate to you on that. Um, so you, I'm, how long have you been interested in this stuff? Was it, uh, I, there was some sort of culmination and then you started studying more diligently um, with uh, with with the the group that you were you're currently mm, oh, yeah. a part okay. of, um, right? And so, like, what um, what were what was some of that uh, tower moment action? Like, how what were mm. the 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 big questions that you were asking that were really that tipping point? Mm. So that started when I was four years old. Okay. And um, so my my family, my maternal side is Roman Catholic. Okay. And I mean, like, very serious, very, like, my great aunts were both Benedictine nuns. Wow. And, yeah, yep. that's as serious as it can get. Okay. Yep. And so they used to babysit me when I was a kid. Wow. And I remember when I was four years old, I was running through the dining room with my cousins. I was, And the nuns asked me if I wanted to get married to Jesus. And I said, no, I want to be a priest. Like, if I had to do this, I want to be a priest. And they said, oh, you can't do that because you're a girl. Yeah. No. And I said, oh, well, I don't care about this anymore. <laughs> Great response. Yeah. I and, and like, I had to go to Catholic school. I was in mm. Catholic school from second grade all the way up to graduation in 12th grade. Okay. So. I I ate religion seven days a week. I lived it. I I didn't believe it though. Like I knew there was something there, but the way that it was being taught to me, I knew it was wrong because there was like deeper meanings to things. Um, I dabbled a little bit in like new age. Like my family did not like my occult interests at all. It was just like not cool. But I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so spent a lot of time at the public library. I learned about like Nostradamus, auras. I learned, uh, I even found a copy of the Satanic Bible that is no longer there. I checked a couple of years ago. Wow. Uh, you think they purged it out? <laughs> absolutely. I think 100%. It's too bad it was yeah. a nice edition too. Oh, it was man. like a, a red leather edition. Wow. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Too bad. So, like, yeah, I had that's all a shame. This, yeah. I had all this knowledge. I was introduced to tarot cards in high school, I went to a Renaissance fair. And I saw a woman do it and I was like, oh my God, these cards are the most sacred, most important thing. And I don't know why, but I need a deck. And um, I told her, I was like, what, do, how do I get a, de a deck? How do I get these? And I was like, going to climb mountains, like swim oceans. And she's like, you can go buy them at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <laughs> a little disappointed, but you know, easily attainable. Um, and then I was dating someone who was an initiate of a uh so it's like kind of like santeria i'm not gonna say what it is but it's like santeria it's in that okay. same and um i loved it i loved like 
I gleaned as much as I could off of him because I knew I couldn't be initiated in that. And I didn't know there was a place for me. And a lot of times in my early life, I felt like it wasn't for me. Like I wanted it to be, I wanted to be a part of it, but I didn't think I could until I got to college. And then I did the the philosophy, the philosophy and theology degree, kind of got more into it um, a little bit. I could like do my own house cleansings at this point and like basic stuff. Um, and then when I moved to LA, things really exploded because when I was away from my family and two, I had Los Angeles to play in. Mm -hmm. So that was wonderful. Like the amount of knowledge that's available here for those who look for it, it is. So, um, that relationship that I had, um, I was engaged and it was just not a good relationship. We were both very insecure, fresh out of graduate school and trying to find purpose and money. And I knew what my purpose was, but I couldn't achieve it with this person. And that came to a very clear head because I kept trying to do magic in the house and it wouldn't work. It would backfire. So I use a lot of seven-day candles. And I bought three different candles from three different stores. And I've never seen this never happened again. The glass was falling off. Like the glass was cracking, even though it wasn't lit. The candle wasn't lit. The glass was cracking and falling apart. Wow. And I was like, Damn. that's so weird because like, what are the odds of it happening from three different stores? Okay. It's not the candle. It's the environment. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was so bad. And I got out of that relationship and I just, I, that was it. I fell back into magic. I was reading constantly. I was meditating, just trying to get myself to a sense of like normalcy mm -hmm. again. Um, I started, I took some classes at the Crooked Path. I took some classes at the Philosoph Philosophical Research Society. I read um, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And then right before the pandemic hit, I was in a class where someone mentioned the name of my goddess. And they said, there's a temple to her here. And I said, what? Where? <laughs> I, need to, I, <laughs> I need to be a part of this. My teacher said, oh, well, like, you have to be initiated. You have to go through this process. You have to be interviewed. You have to be vetted. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll do whatever it takes. Um. And that is how I found – they don't do any kind of recruiting. I've never seen any kind of recruiting done. It's very much as, like, you know who you know. Um, and then, like, you have to obviously go through the process and make sure that you're uh, you're in the place to do the work. Because the work will – people think being in a magic order is like a club. It's not a club. It is a very serious magical working where you are working with other people, not just to purify and cleanse yourself to be, like, the best – person possible but also to help heal the world and to like put magic and good energy into polluted energetic systems yeah um, so for example for for people who might not understand what that means let's say like there's a lot of pain and struggle happening with a certain war somewhere we can create certain things to send healing there and that's like one of our jobs as to be healers in this world uh, but we're not supposed to, like, show our faces. We're supposed to be the people who are, to go back to Plato, tending to the fires in the cave to make sure that you, like, you were trying to get you out of the cave, but don't reveal our faces kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I I love where you're coming from there. I uh, I really feel you. And um, your conversation with 
uh, Sabri, um, you guys talked about this a little bit and I, I really enjoyed it um, just because it's, you know, I'm not saying it's it's refreshing, like I never hear it because there's a lot of good people out there, but it is always refreshing when I hear it, like people who are clearly confident in their capability, but have just such a natural humility and they're in it for the right reasons. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always nice to see. And, um, um, so this is all really interesting. Um, I have some big picture questions to ask you, but mm -hmm. I, in the, before we get to that, um, what is like, I don't want to, you know, I'm not, uh, pressure and you hear it all, but in whatever detail you can get into, like, what does organized hermeticism look like in the modern day? Um, like you, you talked about some of your goals and how you interact with with the fellow magicians. Um, what, um, like, is it? Are you meeting up in person? You know, are is how much is digital? Like, what's going on in oh, the, okay. with sure. hermeticism in the modern era? Um, yeah. So our group is international. Um, we have okay. one, two, three, four branches, um, and different continents and we're the mother temple in Los Angeles. I can tell you that, um, we're the biggest in Los Angeles and still, even by then we're not like crazy big. We're like 75 people. Okay. Cool. Um, so that's like the group in Los Angeles and then the outer group, I don't know the exact number of how many people are in it, but, um. We have people who are like long, like digital members, but they do come once or twice a year for like the big things that we're doing. If they want to, they don't have to. Um, you know, I would also say like the thing that I I trust about this group in particular is the dues are only three hundred dollars a year. Okay, it's yeah, not crazy that's not money. bad at all. No, it's completely reasonable, um, and it's for, like, very obvious reasons. Like, they have, like, an itemized list, and it yeah. says, like, you're paying for dinner, you're paying for tools, you're paying for incense, like, incense and stuff like that for the rituals. Yeah, I mean, um, people tithe going to church. Like, it only makes sense to contribute to an organization that you care about. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So that's, like, a lot of it. Uh, like, what we do is sometimes we have classes, right? But I think, like, the most important – like if I was to say like the pillars here is to we do um, self-development. We do alchemy. And that is done mostly by yourself at home. But then when you've achieved certain goalposts, you go through different kind of rituals. And do you work um, with uh, with like the, the Tree of Life and the Sephiroth? I'm familiar with that, yeah. Um, so I know some hermeticists put a lot of emphasis on that um i am definitely very interested in them um but um it's not the uh like a lot of people use that as like the end-all be-all um what are some kind of models that you're working with mm, that's the things i can't tell you that's like secret knowledge from the order that i can that's share. fair okay i like i appreciate that um um hmm, okay so what would you like to tell us just in terms of um I don't know helping people understand the the practical 
uh, application of these things? Like, what mm-hmm. are some of your practices that you like? You you're very proficient with tarot, as I mentioned. Um, yeah. You know, like, is are you sitting down and um, like how much like the communication are you doing with uh with like the goddess and how much mm-hmm. you know like meditation is going on? Like, what does alchemy and hermeticism look like? for you in the modern day? Sure. So there's two aspects to that, right? There's like the group version and then there's the introspective version. So let's look at the introspective version because while like think of it this way is like if you're playing a video game, uh, especially like the old Mario games, you like had different worlds you had to go into and there's like level one, two, three. Think of it like that. So you need to hit all of these goalposts of understanding, which you do through specific types of meditation. You're given things to meditate on. Like, I mean, you literally, you you have to make it too. Like they're not giving you like a tool or uh, an object or even a word. Like they'll tell you what it looks like and then you have to go make it and then you meditate on it. And guess what? You can make it wrong and they'll say, you did this wrong, go do it again. Um, there's a lot of meditation, like it's not, when people think of meditation, there's this idea that it's uh, like this internal, like I have to quiet my mind. We're doing more active imagination. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad so, you used that. that was, that's the exact term I was thinking. Yeah. This, that, uh, that's a term we've used on the show before. So people will definitely, uh, catch yep. that. Uh, we do a lot of invoking, um, okay. I am not at the level to evoke yet, but um, we do a lot of invoking of different, um, literally, the the entire Egyptian pantheon. Um, oh, very cool. With the ex- there's like a handful of things that you you have to like. Again, I like to use the analogy of the video game. You have to like access them. You have to like gain them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. When we are, um, Manly P. Hall wrote a really great pamphlet called The Psychology of Ritual. And what he talks about is that no matter if it's like hermeticism, if it's shamanism, um, even in like you see it in Hindu culture, there's always a story that is being told through ritual. And it's a story that's supposed to permeate your unconscious mind. So, you know, there are there's special regalia wear that you have um it's like kind of like your uniform your spiritual uniform um you do have to sew that like there's a lot of like you're doing it a lot of stuff on your own but like even the sewing of the garment is supposed to be meditative and like why you're creating this because it's here to all focusing on turning that lead into gold which is your soul i love it that's um you know that is those are like the 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 genuine things that i feel like i'm missing uh not being part of an organization like those are the things that sound nice um uh fun. being yeah. involved <laughs> yeah in that way and um also having you know sort of the uh the the hood and the 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 props for lack of a better term um and like cultivating that relationship with those things um now i think the uh you, like i'm deeply influenced you know just as much by hermeticism and alchemy as i am by like punk rock and metal and hip-hop oh, cool. um, 
and uh um we're always playing some sort of music on this show and um i you know some of that like a, how a lot of that is rubbed off on me is um that sort of punk rock mentality of just like fuck the label you know type action the mm-hmm. diy mm-hmm. grassroots mentality um but i'm a I'm a strong advocate for tradition so long as it's, you know, updated and it doesn't become like staunch dogma, but tradition is crucial and there's a Mm -hmm. lot to learn from it. Um, And I think, uh, you know, I, when, when I think about a magical order today, I see a lot of pros um, and it would be a case by case basis, like anything like a Masonic lodge, like a church, but there's the risk of like politics it just like you know mucking up the system and and egos at play and again i don't want to put you on the spot i don't even like necessarily want to talk specifics about about your group but um because clearly um you enjoy the process so uh but that's i think like the first thing that uh if anyone's hesitant um, when you just bring up like a magical order, like once they understand what you even mean by that, they're like, oh, well, that that sounds like it could get dicey at times. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, they're not wrong. That's my thoughts on that. Is that <laughs> uh, I have been in a cult before. Um, it was not great. It was, you know, there's a cult wants something from you, whether it's money, whether it's sex, whether it's I don't know whatever you have to give property etc but they want something from you a genuine group will not ask you for much there will be no kind of extortion number one number two is there's no person at the top that we worship there is no guru there is no like head person love to hear Uh, that yeah so there's like um there's a magical head of the order, but that person is like, they're doing certain things to make sure the order is okay. Like there's protection sure. stuff they have to do. Um, and that person in a lot of ways is like, the best way I can describe this is like, let's talk about it from pl- the platonic perspective. So in the Republic, there are three layers, right? There's the philosopher kings at the head, there's the warrior class, and then there are the common merchants, etc., and farmers and stuff. These two people do not interact with each other, the philosophers and the common people. And this person, like, we don't see them very often. Um, so we know, like, you're doing your thing, you're kind of retired, um, and then the leadership that we do have, it gets rotated out every two years. So this group has been around since at least the 80s that I know of. It could be older. Some people say it is. I don't know. So I, I've seen, like, I like that. I know the order changes. Um, significant amounts of money aren't being used. Um, I think the other thing is, like, there's no consequences. Like, you can leave at any time. There's no consequences. No one's going to chase you and be like, why are you leaving? If you want to leave, you want to leave. Okay, bye. Now, I will say that's a very mature place that most people don't operate from. So when we talk about systems, I don't care what system it is, whether it's Freemasonry, politics, whatever, capitalism even, socialism looks beautiful on paper. And the form of that and the astral plane, beautiful, 
wonderful. When it comes down to earth, you got humans. And guess what? Humans are not perfect. Mm -hmm. And humans will mess up the system. Mm -hmm. That is, and, and the thing here is, are you individuated enough to not get stuck in that messiness? I am here in my work for a specific person, per, for a specific reason, which is turning myself into gold to be the best person I can possibly be. Why are you here? Oh, you're here for power? Probably not a very good reason. friend Tippy Patson here from the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And behold, for I have something to to lay upon you. Okay? Um recently I uh, I smoked this uh this drug called uh, uh a basuco. It's from Colombia. Uh my buddy gave it to me. It's cocaine paste. You see? Um and I recently been doing some of this and um, it occurred to me that last night after some Google searching um, what happened to me after smoking some bazooka was um, I achieved Tibetan rainbow body how about that y'all yeah my body shrank I got all real tiny uh, I started like emitting rainbows from my body and like I smelled really good as they say uh, that the people do and dang old man I even you know I didn't die I'm good I'm still good right here but I even lost a few pounds so I was thinking you know how about I just go dang old on and sell uh, Tippy Patson's Rainbow Body Weight Loss Program dang old man that's right you know shed a few pounds the, the Tibetan Buddhist way and uh, you know you can go to my website um uh, Tippy Patson and all that, or you can dial 1-800-SPACELORS.COM uh, for more info. Now, um, a part of this is uh, you need to know more about this Basuko drug, okay? Um, it's very interesting, and uh, it helped me in the whole process of achieving Rainbow Body. 
and it's like I said, it's a cocaine paste. Um, it's extracted, not in laboratories, but like good old fashioned, like in people's kitchens and stuff. And it's, uh, it's, uh, extracted and dissolved with, uh, things like gasoline, sulfuric acid, chloroform, kerosene, uh, acid from car batteries. And then it's, and it's cut, you know, to make bigger, uh, and give it a little bit of a punch, um, with Ajax, uh, talcum powder. Or, you know, ground up bricks or cornstarch and things like that. And on the streets, they call it things like uh, Suzuki, uh, Banana, Little Devil, and Freckles. So it's a real dang old fun thing to smoke, and it tastes real good, y'all. So, you know, smoke some bazooko and, uh, you know, partake in Tippy Patson's uh, Rainbow Body Weight Loss Program, y'all. Come on, let's do it together. We'll, uh, we'll be small, tiny people... Uh, with a rainbow body away, and then we'll, you know, it'll be a good time. All right, take it easy, everybody. Has gravity got you down? Do you not understand the difference between a wave or a particle? What about the planets? How do all those rotate around each other? Laws of physics and other sciences can be confusing. So the next time you're curious just how exactly E equals MC squared, hire a highly trained and qualified professional. That's right, it's space lawyers. Space lawyers are skilled in litigation with the laws of time, space, cosmic ghost pirates, and various other lawyerings. Each space lawyer has a PhD in space law from the Cosmic Hall of Space Justice, and they can get you out of just about any sticky situation so stop bonking your head on things, or accidentally creating big bangs with your haphazard studies in quantum, quantum physics. physics. Leave all of that to the highly trained professionals prepared to litigate these laws for you. Just call 1-800-SPACELAWYER.COM for more info. Space, Space Lawyer? Lawyer. Space lawyers cannot be used in a regular court of law. They can only accept cash and no cosmic traveler checks nor visa debit cards. Please wait up to four cosmic business days for our space lawyers to get back to you. Hello, everybody. It's, uh, it's your friend, uh, Jefferson Tillamook Slinger, codename. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I don't have any products to sell you at the moment, but I did have to, uh, I just wanted to, uh, let everybody know that I recently watched this, uh, Aminal Planet documentary about how mermaids and mer people actually exist. Uh, and also dragons exist too. I mean, Amino Planet wouldn't make these things up. It's very 100% true, or just about as true as a Bill Hicks being Alex Jones. So, supposedly the theory is, uh, when we were, when we were, used to be the monkeys, um, some of the monkeys, like, ended up hanging up close to the water, and like, instead of getting all hairy, they got it really scaly and like had a bunch of like gills and like fins and stuff like really crazy and uh in the, if you watch the aminal planet documentary um they have like these super realistic uh like accounts where you could see like the mermaid like his, his hand his little webbed hand is up against the glass and like it's like 
very realistic like like the best ps2 cutscenes i've ever seen in my life uh so uh i guess mermaids are actually a thing you know mermaids and mer people so uh is it illegal to own one is the question i want to know I would like to own a mer person. I know we couldn't have the dolphins around here anymore, but maybe a mer dude would be pretty fun. Or maybe a mer lady? I'm not sure. I guess we could cross that bridge when we get there. Anyway, um, mer people are people too. So, and dragons exist. So, pretty crazy shit. Uh, goodbye. and things and 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 even the politics a little bit um mm -hmm. before i'd like to ask you about because la in and of itself is a wild place so i'd like to ask you about a cult la a little bit but before i i i segue us into that um what since we're on the subject of like esoteric politics i guess if you will um what would you say to people like, do you have any advice for people looking for a group? You've mentioned some of it and, uh, you know, like speaking to the authenticity, like, you know, people, it being easy to leave and so forth. Um, but, you know, like a Teal Swan is a questionable name these days. Oh, um, yeah. Teal Swan is a questionable name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've talked about her a little bit. So listeners uh, would definitely be familiar. Um Lori Vallow is another wild case. Um, yeah, yeah, that where we see. Yeah, they they get into like the really like a strange like combination of like witchy paganism with with like Mormonism, and uh, 
uh, almost like some Scientological stuff, like with like suppressive person type stuff. And, and that was, you know, they were involved in like all the, uh, um, like the, the, the niche industry, like Mormon lecture circuits and like podcasting and stuff. So, you know, these things are like right around the, the bend, you know what I mean? There's always some really wild shit going on. People like to think that it's Mm -hmm. far removed, but it really isn't. It's not. Yeah. The alt, the alt-right spiritual Mm. pipeline is super real. Yeah. So here's the deal. We talked a little bit at the beginning of this about tradition Mm -hmm. and I think tradition is important. To, to in some extent, I think that things are made in systems. So, okay, here's an example. So Freemasonry is very different than witchcraft. So let's talk about Hecatean witchcraft because that is what I am most familiar with. Okay. So at the Crooked Path, we have a Hellenistic coven dedicated to Akate. And I know the high priestess there, and she's very genuine about pulling and reading the ancient greek and incorporating it as much to be as authentic as possible what gets weird here is when people like teal swan and etc make themselves the object of worship and not the goddess like it's not the coven of raelene it's the coven of ekate and a true priestess a true genuine leader is not going to make it about themselves it's not about me it's about you and it's about god or goddess and that's the major difference. If you like, if you are so focused on like your ego and like who you can be, or like, well, people like me will all be popular, then you're doing this for the wrong reasons. That's my take on it. And you have to watch out because there are a lot of scammers in this community. Yeah. Yeah. You really do have to keep your eyes peeled. Um, this is, it's, and especially in a day and age where, I mean, there's still a lot of um, bigotry and shallow mindedness with spirituality. But mm-hmm. that said, um, like the gates have been, they, I, you know, what you'd gates? be hard pressed to find a time. Yeah, like they've really been burst <laughs> open on a on a level that I don't know. We debatably haven't seen, you know, in in on the historical record, like no, just I cultures across the yeah. board have access to each other in unparalleled ways. So yeah, there's a lot to navigate there. There's a lot. Um, all right. Well, um, good food for thought there. Um, definitely keep your eyes peeled out there, folks. Uh, but but you know that said, like don't don't become too jaded. Like there's there's some really good. Uh, I think. I, you know, the the tendency when you look at that stuff is to pull back too far. And I think that community is important um, in one yeah. form or another. Um, so, you know, don't don't close your heart to community. It can be it's good to have friends. Right. But uh, I'd like to ask you, I don't know how much you'd have to say, like, I haven't thought about it too much lately, um, but it's a fascinating subject. Um like I mentioned, like occult esoteric LA, um, mm-hmm. people tend to think super vapid and certainly is, you know, I am a longtime fan. Yeah. I'm a longtime fan of the whole Bill Hicks bit of uh, Arizona Bay, just waiting for LA to just drift off. Um, but uh, 
that said, there's a lot, there's a lot of great stuff going on there. I think the Philosophical Research Society is a great example. Um, what is Occult LA like? Uh, you have so much going on there. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How, and like, clearly you're like, you're almost like at the, the threshold. You're at like the gates of materialist hell. Like that's where like all sorts of crazy <laughs> stuff goes on. Um, that's where people really worship the dollar. Oh you know. my God. You know how many people have told me that? Like LA is hell. It, it is in a lot of ways. <laughs> LA is hell. Um, and I love this city. I love the city so much, but it absolutely is because, okay, Los Angeles alone in the last 100 years has, of, has had over 400 destructive cults. Damn. That is insane. Yeah. So there's, Big names like the Manson family, the Source family, all that stuff. Like you can find a lot of crazy. There's a lot of crazy in this city. And what's interesting about the city is that crazy also has openness because Los Angeles is full of open-minded people, dreamers, wishers, thinkers, all that kind of stuff. But that is when people are most susceptible to fall into cults, right? So – um, obviously we don't know how many there are currently. I'm going to let my cat outside real quick. Sorry, kitty cat. Go, go no problem. I love some kitty cats. I got yeah. a couple myself. Aww. Always a handful. <laughs> so there are some places in Los Angeles that, uh, there are still available that you can go to. So the first one is obviously, like we said, the Philosophical Research Society. We also have the Theosophical Society. Now, the Theosophy Society, there's two different ones. There's a lodge that you can go to where they have regular uh, speakers. And then there's the actual, it's not like, it's like a temple, but it's not a temple um, in downtown LA. And so Theosophy was created by Helena Blavatsky in the early 20th century. Their headquarters are now in Ojai, which is about two hours north, but you can still find a lot of people here who are at least familiar with Theosophy. The next thing that I would say is you would want to visit the, uh, if if they reopen, the Bodhi Book Tree. And that was an old spiritual store. They're online still. Um, Ronnie talks about them. It's been a very, like, staple in Los Angeles for a long time, currently only online. There's also the Museum of Jurassic Technology in Culver City. And that is a place where you can... See how what I love about it is like going back in time and looking at the technology that people had during the bronze era. So there's self-moving wind chimes. There's like all these really amazing things that like we're so spoiled with tech that we don't even realize. And then, of course, there's the Green Man, uh, which is a wonderful witchcraft store, traditional witchcraft. The Crooked Path, which is Hecatean. And then there's Pan's Apotheca, which is another occult store. So those are like the big three in the Burbank area. We're like the Halloween area, Halloween town. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. When um I was still pretty young um when I went through LA. So if I ever go back around, I'm gonna have to check out some of that action. Um I'm here in uh in Pensacola these days. I grew up in like Anchorage, Alaska, though. So I've been um you know a little bit all over the u.s but uh i i won't get into it too much because i've brought it up plenty but um i within the last few years 
um, made it down to New Orleans for the first time. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it's a beautiful and very yeah. interesting city. Very interesting. Yeah. I also, um, I just visited there, but I spent I like almost a couple of years living outside of uh, San Francisco. Um, so mm-hmm. I uh, don't have a whole lot of experience with LA, but I really do miss San Francisco. And there's uh, there's there's definitely some carryover there. Yeah, in terms of uh, yeah the mechanics that we've been talking about. Um, well, um, this is kind of I didn't expect to bring this up, um, so I'm not sure what you'd have to say on it. But um, do you have any thoughts that you would be interested in sharing about astrology? Um, as you know, a part of hermeticism, it's something that I've familiarized myself with. It's been some time though, because it's not like my, uh, I don't know, tool of choice, like my primary tool of choice, but it's, it's something that's been coming up more lately. Um, and I'm a firm believer. I understand like the mechanics well enough to see it play out. I don't even feel like belief is even an, like a necessary term there. Like I see what's going on, but I don't, you know, I'm not an expert and it's uh it's i'm always interested in hearing a diligent student's mm. take on it mm. so for astrology i mostly use like the planets my birth chart you know i i do read my horoscope every night before i go to bed for that day i do that on purpose i use the the app astro matrix uh, they're great. I really trust their team. They've been good to me. And I always do that to be like, all right, how much of this actually lined up with what happened today? It's kind of like my reality check. Um, I don't really read people's birth charts or natal charts. I'm familiar. I understand how it works. I can do some basic stuff, but that's not not really my bag. Uh, I use the planetary cycles. So I use planetary hours. I need to know which planet is influencing which hour. It changes every hour. I use, like, I I care about how the planets are interacting with each other. Mm. So a planet is situated in a zodiacal house or a zodiacal sign. So right now, like, Pluto is in Aquarius right now. And then it's situated in a specific house, which means specific things. So that's how I look at it. So just like the moon goes in cycles and has different signs, so do all of the other planets. And for me, that's where I find the most help with it. Because um, planets, well, you can look at this in so many different ways, but the planets do affect you. Just like the moon does, the planets do too. Even though they're like millions of miles away, they have an influence on you. So. That is how I use astrology. It is not like how most other people use astrology. Like I get like, I like knowing what my transits are and stuff like that. But it's not my biggest tool that I use. Um, I use it mostly for spell work, but not for like day-to-day stuff. That makes sense. I think that probably is, I don't know, the most effective way to use it from my point of view. Because the the thing that, you know, and and like I said, I... I'm a full advocate for it. Um, but one of the reasons it's not like my go-to tool is sort of that whole, I don't know, just like knowing the future might trip you up. And it's I, I, I like to have that kind of 
you know, for all the the Western esotericism that I'm interested in, I do like to kind of have a little bit of an Eastern perspective as well. I go to, you know, weekly uh, Buddhist meditation groups and um, uh, I've always been really influenced by Taoism, which I've heard you talk about Oh, I love before. Taoism. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What, um, so I don't, I definitely want to ask you a little bit um, about shadow work, um, but mm-hmm. on the subject of Eastern food for thought, what do you think? Um, oftentimes people kind of tend to pick one or the other. Um, and I think they, you know, my, the, the understandings that I have got from Eastern philosophy and metaphysics have informed my thoughts on Western esoterica, like immeasurably. Um, what do you have to say about like Eastern philosophy and spirituality? Well, I think the first thing we have to understand is they're two separate systems. Absolutely. That mean, Good yeah, disclaimer. They're not, they're not necessarily meant to be put together. You certainly can. And I think that the West owes a lot of um, modern ideas to the East, like of the like chakras, which are actually supposed to be pronounced chakras, mm. uh, stuff like that. Like there's also we've seen like the Kundalini yoga cult and stuff like that really come um with that i love taoism i think taoism is very beautiful there's also a mystical side to it just as right. there's like a mystical side to buddhism um i think what's really interesting is i have to say that i spent a lot of the last six months watching um korean and thai horror films specifically mm -hmm. focused around um supernatural stuff and it's very interesting to see they 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 see that those energies are a source of life. Whereas in America, in the West, it feels like so much of our spirituality is like an ATM. Yeah. Give me this, manifest this, I want this. Rather than the gratitude for life, the gratitude for the resources around me, I think that's the biggest difference that I really, you know, kind of envy a lot in the Eastern is there's this like, I am unified with God. The idea of unity is not cool in America right now. Yeah. The idea of oneness and wholeness is like not a thing here. Um, I have my own kind of like tinfoil hat idea about why that is, but we're not going to get into that right now. Um, <laughs> but regardless, we have absolutely borrowed a lot of new age. New age stuff comes from other stuff. It's not really new age. It's it's an old thought repackaged. Mm -hmm. So yes, it includes the new thought movement of the American 1920s and 10s, but also Eastern ideas. And you saw that huge boom in the 70s and 60s of like gurus coming to America. And guess what? A lot of them were scammers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. There seemed to be a magnet for that. Um, so, man, there was something on the tip of my tongue. I forgot what it was. It has been a long day. Uh, but I know that I wanted to ask you um, a bit about shadow work. That's a term that is kind of like, it's become kind of colloquial now almost. Um, and people sling it around kind of carelessly sometimes, but there's there's, you know, there's a reason that it's a term that's kind of gained more traction. Um, 
what do you think? I know you've talked about. Um, I've I've heard you bring up the that hermetic necessity to get into sort of the muck of your own existence and understanding, you know, the muck of existence around you. Um, and, you know, I think Jung touches on that really well. And so does Manly P. Hall. Um, I think in Western society, or at least like the, the Abrahamic influence in Western society, um, a lot of like that, acquiescing the dark side is lost because people are afraid of like packs with the devil and shit like that. But there's so much more to it. And, and I think alchemy is a great, it's not the only way to wrap your head around it, but alchemy and hermeticism is, is a great pipeline for understanding like sort of in that like Solomonic way almost of, uh, of harnessing those things so that you can, you can, you know, you separate the wheat from the chaff, but also a lot of like the the stuff that you might come across in shadow work is is like well, good and evil. That's that's a a thing that we've talked about on this show. It's obviously a very nuanced, but you know, good and evil aside, there are just like underdeveloped, unnurtured parts of your personality in the shadow. You know, things that deserve, you know, more growth you know that mm -hmm. life is kind of like stamped out or something and when people are afraid of that shadow work so much of that is lost all of that's lost really <sighs> yes uh modern people have a tendency to have black or white thinking when in reality it is very much a polarity which means that there's also a middle ground where these things mix. We also see that in the ancient symbol of the yin and the yang and Taoism. So to have this conversation, we need to wear two different hats here. We're going to wear our psychological hat, and then we're going to wear our occultist hat. So first, let's start with psychological hat. Carl Jung was a psychologist who probably dabbled in occultism. There's some pretty heavy Mm, hints that he did yeah <laughs> we'll just leave it at that <laughs> so from this perspective young talks about the archetypes he breaks it down into 12 subtypes and oh my gosh what are there also 12 subtypes of the zodiac, zodiac. yeah so <laughs> you are a vessel so i want you to think of yourself as whatever kind of vessel let's say maybe a vase and inside of you, there's the capacity for all 12 zodiac signs to exist. Now, the zodiac signs have both negative and positive traits. Now, this is because these are the challenges of your alchemy. So, for example, let's do Aries, right? Aries is a fantastic leader, but they also have a big ego. And so those two different forces have to work out and hopefully find balance. So what Jung is describing, in comes the cat. Did you have a good time outside? Okay. So what Jung is describing here is that there are parts of us as kids, right? Where, for example, let's say, oh, mommy doesn't like the aggressiveness that this Aries child has. And that gets repressed. And this can go for anything. And most oftentimes you see it in aggression and sexuality, a la Freud. <laughs> so what we're seeing here is from, let's put on our occultist hat now. So shadow work 
is going and looking at the shadow side of things in your life. That could be personality traits. That can be addictions. It could look like a lot of things. And you know what? A lot more people have packs with the devil than they realize because they don't call it the devil. It's alcoholism. It's addiction to drugs. It's addiction to porn. Whatever it is that's not allowing you to live your highest and best, most whatever they want to call it, high vibrational life, is because you made a pact with something that has an a hold on you. So occultist hat still. We now have addiction. Addiction is an energy that wraps itself around you and literally chokes you. Um, if you go to my Instagram page, it should still be up. You can scroll down and see the entity removal class. Those are watercolor paintings of what these energies look like. Mm. Looks like a big claw. Now let's put on the psychology hat. We know that addiction is a disease. It is a pattern repetition based imp- impulse. So we start to see this really beautiful immersion of something called psycho-spirituality. And that's where the colloquial idea of shadow work comes in. But it's not as easy as journaling for the love of God. <laughs> it is not just yeah. journaling. Yeah. Actually, um, Young would say if you're not doing shadow work with a psychologist, you're not doing it at all. And I low-key agree with that. Sorry, everybody. As someone who actually has done that work with a psychologist, they bring me, and it's not even a psychologist, it's a psychoanalyst. You need like a very specific type of doctor to do this. And they help you open up the mind where you closed it off. So here, I'll share something really personal. So many people know that I have an affinity to Lilith, right? And Lilith is praised for being like sexually like open and she's like a fierce goddess. But you know what her ultimate and like negative side of hers? She's the baby killer. And it turns out when I did this shadow work, guess what? I have that impulse inside of me. I am afraid to be a mother because I'm afraid I would kill my child. And so that's the kind of deep, ugly shit that you have to look at. And that's not cute. That's not, you're not going to get that from journaling. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, that, yeah, that is a great example. Like that, those are the places that you have to go. Like shadow work is not just, um, yeah, I don't know, like remembering some unpleasant memories. It's like uncovering like aspects of yourself that you, haven't even had like the ability to shed light on it's, it's, it. It's, you can't see it. You're blind to right. it. Yeah. And, and I would agree with you in so far as um, like in terms of the uh, needing a psychologist, I, you know, given my punk rock DIY inspirations, um, I think like even with any pushback I would uh, put on that sentiment, I think like, I don't know, like a strong takeaway is you really shouldn't just do this stuff on your own. Um, There's, yeah, there's a a reason we're social creatures and there's also really something to be said for like the apprenticeship, the student and teacher mentality and, you know, like. You need someone to check you. Yeah, yeah. That's ultimately what it is. You can't, a sick person cannot heal themselves most of the time. Right. You need someone to do that checks, check and balances for you. Mm. The big problem is that the word shadow work, people are using it to mean self-reflection. 
Yeah. That's shadow work is a deep psychological. I'm going to say a journey because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's a journey and it kind of low key sucks going and sitting and thinking about what you did and how you were hurt. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Damn. Very poignant words. Um, Let's see. We, we are pretty much at the hour mark here. Um, I don't want to, you know, I, we're, I know you're a very busy woman, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, but I would very much like to keep in touch and get you back on the show at some point here because this was great. Um, and it's refreshing uh, to, you know, not only your sentiments, uh, you know, and our, we have similar interests, but it's also cool. Um, like, I don't know your like exact age or anything, but we're similar ages and it's always nice to come across uh some young blood out there trying to yeah trying to yeah. you know do um get Be in the, the torchbearer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah uh, I'm 32. Okay. Yeah. I am 28 here in February. So yeah, cool. not far off at all. Um and just disclaimer, I'm not gonna kill any kids. That's just like <laughs> a part of the shadow I have to make peace with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um good disclaimer just in case, but I feel very confident that especially if anyone's made it this far in, they're definitely on the same page with us. Like cool, cool. yeah, those are just, you know, we're the whole black hoodie motif, like you know, this show definitely has a lean towards the the negative and horrific for the right reasons, you know, yeah. to purify those elements. So I I bet a lot of people will be able to um to relate to just, you know, doing become understanding those uncomfortable parts of, of themselves and and yeah, I'm 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 I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a very vulnerable thing to share. I just don't want to like go up on Reddit and be like, Pythian Priestess is a baby killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Um thank you so much for your time, Anthony. It has been such a pleasure. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Likewise. Um, where can people find you? And you know, you go check out the Occult Unveiled podcast. You could find that wherever you find your podcast action. She's got a website as well. I know you've got like TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, you can find me on all the socials under Pythian Priestess. That's P-Y-T-H-I-A-N Priestess, P-R-I-E-S-T-E-S-S. And you can also download my app, which is Pythian Mystery School. Awesome. Yeah, that app sounds like some great action. Uh, I'm going to have to check that out as well. Uh, well, blessings to you. Thank you very much again. And um, I look forward to our next conversation at some point. I ought to send you a copy of uh, of my book. I got a couple. I'll send you at least oh, a wow. copy yeah, of one. Thank yeah. you. Um, that's how I got into this. I like just trying to wrap my head around it all. I'm a writer. So I... Uh, it, 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 yeah, it helped me figure my shit out a little bit. So I like to share it where I can and, um, uh, no pressure to read it or anything like that though. <laughs> I'll read your book. Thank cool. you. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Um, don't forget folks, this is black hoodie alchemy. Check out the link tree, the books, Patreon, discord. Um, we have been talking with Ashley Ryan. I always have to pause just for a split second to make sure I don't say Ryan Ashley from Ink Master. I'm, oh, that's, I, yeah, that's I, funny. I'm sure you get that, yeah. <laughs> um, 
But all right, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget to smoke weed, and God bless. Yeah, I'm the one just like you.